It is the Nico and Chris Bears Post Game Wrap-Up Podcast Show featuring Nico and no Chris. Uh, that's right. I'll do my best Chris impression. That's right. The Bears lose a really embarrassing Monday night football game to the Minnesota Vikings 17-9 at Soldiers Fields tonight. Um, yeah, it was a pretty embarrassing game for the most part. Uh, the Bears came out on defense and looked good, and even before all that, all week, the Bears were just announcing people on the COVID list. Allen Robinson, Eddie Jackson, Tashawn Gibson, Jalen Jansen. Um, God, I I, I got to pull out the COVID list right now for the Bears. But, yeah, so 17-9 is your, uh, your final. Uh, make sure to follow us on uh, NNC Bears Cast on Instagram and on Twitter. And please listen to us where you listen to all your favorite podcasts, iTunes and and uh, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Anchor, who is our host site. So, you know, we got a lot of places for you to listen. Just search for Nico and Chris, and we'll be there for you. Uh, yeah, so bad game tonight by the Bears. Um, Bears are, of course, out with a ton of people. But, you know, I mean, even even on Friday or Saturday afternoon, it was reported that, that Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, and Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, were all out with COVID. And Desai actually tested uh, negative today, so he was able to come back and coach the defense, which, by the way, the defense wasn't the problem today. They played they played pretty well. Giving up 17 points to a team that has Justin Jefferson and no Adam Thielen, I'm sure some people will say, you know, don't 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 give him that much credit, but they still have Dalvin Cook, and he's still a very productive player. And Kirk Cousins has had a pretty nice year this year. I wouldn't say it's an MVP, but he's you know in the very good conversation this year, um, as far as that that goes. Uh, on the opposite side of the ball, the Bears' offense still continually looks lost. There's no real identity. You know, they get a good play, they get a they get a penalty. They get a break, they get a penalty. They take a timeout to call the right play. They get a pre-snap penalty. They get a holding penalty. They get a, this has got to be the most embarrassing, un... Um, uh, what's the best word I'm looking for right now? Just undisciplined team uh, that I've seen probably since Trestman was here. And, I mean, you know, I don't even think Trestman's... Trestman's teams had bad attitudes, but I don't think they were this undisciplined. Um, I try to forget that seat, that 2014 season as much as possible. But there's just a lot of... It's just so bad how poorly they play. I mean, again, Tevin Jenkins starts out the game, got a holding penalty right away. I think he had two on the night, had a third personal foul penalty for getting into a fight with one of the Vikings players because he thought wrongly, he assumed wrongly, that Justin Fields was um, pushed out and hit out of bounds, which didn't happen. That wasn't the case. But he went to go stand up for his guy, and he's pretty much the only Bears offensive lineman actually, you know, being tough out there for the most part. That isn't Jason Peters because Jason Peters is hurt. You know, it, and no Allen Robinson, you know, just to pleat your offense worse. But don't look too far. I mean, Darnold Mooney can only do so much. David Montgomery can only do so much. And once they start keying in on those guys and taking those, um, taking those weapons away from you, you have nothing. You need, you need uh, an offensive identity that people can be afraid of, but the Bears don't have enough talent. They don't have enough to uh, 
you know, really make the team, you know, feel feared or even on offense. You don't even have to be feared as an offense, but be competent enough so teams know they have to still bring a good game plan to you. So they know that even if they take David Montgomery out, that's not enough. They have to, you know, they they have to take you down on multiple levels. The Bears don't have that. The Bears have really nice players all over the uh, the field, but they don't. It's not an offense as a whole that scares you that much. Um, it kind of takes me back. I've been thinking about this quote, and I'm sure I'm going to misquote it a little bit, but it, it's like it, Ryan Pace said around his first draft, or you know, he was talking about taking Kevin White and a couple other players and. I believe he pretty much capped it off by saying, you know, we want to take the best players available when we get to our pick in the round. And it just feels like a lot of these players are either overdrafted in the case of a lot of them. You know, Mitch Trubisky is obviously the most, uh, the biggest one. You know, Adam Shaheen. Is it the offense, the scheme that's bad? Is it the players not being coached well enough? I think it's everything. I think if you, it's a smorgasbord of all the bad things that you can you can decide on what it is because again those pre-snap penalties that's coaching you know <clears throat> Tevin Jenkins shouldn't be having so much trouble but his coaches are putting him in bad situations Justin Fields has enough talent to overcome some obstacles but if he's too rushed or he can't get to his receivers or in the case of that bad snap, I mean, you know, he feels like, and I, and I, I guarantee in his mind, he feels he has to do everything because there's never enough positive plays to keep the momentum going. A case in point, fourth quarter, uh, they get the ball. Fields takes a bad snap from Mustafer, takes a knee to spike the ball because they're literally four or five yards out from the end zone. Then he gets tackled after the fact, has to plead to the ref to get the personal foul, which he does. Then all of a sudden, the Bears start moving on offense. You know what I mean? It's a well-oiled machine. Uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor would be proud of that. Ah! But Fields gets a helmet hit later in the drive. And next thing you know, 30 seconds, a minute runs off. Yeah, the player gets the, the player who hits Fields in the helmet gets ejected from the game. Sure, justice is served. There goes all their momentum. It died. And next thing you know, he's trying to throw to Komet. Doesn't work. Throws to Jimmy Graham, who should be cut tomorrow, but he won't be. He drops the pass. The one throw he does make is to Darnell Mooney, but Mooney is considered not to be in possession of the ball, or he, he wasn't in bounds to make the catch hole, so no touchdown. And, and that's it. Their momentum died. Before the hit, I think he was 5-for-5 five five on throws, or no, 4-for-4 four four on throws for 50 yards. They were moving that, that offense down the field all of a sudden. It's in the red zone. You know, they fall apart. And there was another fourth down call earlier where it was like fourth and one. And for some reason, Mooney is lining up. He lines up wide. And then Fields motions to him. And he lines up behind Fields. While Fields is on. Why is Mooney lining up behind Fields? David Montgomery is your premier back. Give him the ball. You know, I don't understand where these kooky plays come from. And, and, and that's another problem, too. It's like you have poor drafting, poor developing right now, and you have poor coaching and, and poor scheme, poor offensive planning. I mean, take your pick. You can have all of it, you know. And, and that's the problem. The problem is right now is we're just watching a team who doesn't have any kind of leadership 
And I don't mean leadership in the sense that they don't have a man, you know, they don't have someone guiding the ship. They don't have a really good captain anyhow. But it just doesn't feel like there's a goal in mind. And that goes up to Ryan Pace, and that goes up to George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. You know, when Ryan Pace says best player available, I honestly just think he thinks that. You know, there's no real, I don't really know what the vision is. You know, uh, before this game, the Cleveland Browns were playing. And they don't even have their quarterback. They almost won the game, by the way. They're missing their quarterback. They're missing just as many players as the Bears. They have tons of other injuries. They almost win the game with a third-string backup, Nick Mullins, who I think they said was was on the uh, was on the scrap heap, you know. But they still have Nick Chubb. They still have decent enough players, and they can fill, they can create a game plan because they know what their game plan is. They have big, burly offensive linemen. They have good running back they have decent wide receivers all they have to do is make sure that they don't turn the ball over and that's what Nick Mullins did he didn't turn the ball over he kept the ball safe they know what they want to do they want to run the ball first and throw off a play action there's nothing complicated about that it sounds boring but it works And if Baker Mayfield can make that offense go, and a lot of people think that Baker Mayfield is overrated and not good enough, if he can make that offense go, you know, it just goes to show where the Bears are. Because I don't see any kind of identity like that. It would be one thing if the Bears go, we come off the bus run. You know, love you say that. We run the ball. We want to run the ball. We want to throw because of the run. That's a good identity. It sounds boring. But it can work, especially if you have good players, which the Bears never had good offensive players under Lovey either. Seems to be a curse. But still, if you have a good identity, you know you know where you can go and how you can plan you know your team out. It's like the credit I was giving to the Cardinals a few weeks ago. You know, when the Bears beat them in 2018, they had Josh Rosen, they had Scott Wilkes, they had a team that was just imploding that whole season that did not have a good year. And it takes a lot of guts from a general manager and to get his owner to back him up to say, you know what, we screwed this up, so we're going to get rid of the coach. Coach isn't working. The quarterback isn't working. We're going to get Kyler Murray. We're going to build an offense and a team to support Kyler Murray because we believe Kyler Murray can be the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals future. And, I mean, yeah, of course they lost to the Lions the other day. They're still 10-3. and three. The Bears are four and nine, or four and nine, or four and ten. It'll be ten, four and ten. Yeah, the Bears are four and ten, which has to make the the Cardinals ten and four. They're still ten and four. Okay, they still have good players all over the place. They have contributors all over offense. Their best, they don't even they they haven't had their best offensive wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins most of the season. He's been gone for almost five games. They're still won ten games. You know, James Conner was a guy that most people didn't even want to take a chance on. He's done nothing but score for them because Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury, they had the idea that this guy can be a contributor. He can be a contributor in the offense, and they know how to build around it. I don't think the Bears think that way. I think the Bears just sign guys who look good or who they perceive can do good things for the team. And there's no real plan beyond that. The defense... I mean, even under Ryan Pace, the defense has played mostly well, you know, all these years. I mean, granted, those first few years were rough, but they were rebuilding. You know, guys like Akeem Hicks, 
And Roquan Smith, who again got snubbed for the Pro Bowl, which I don't even understand what game anybody's watching out there. I get if you're not on a popular or a team that's not winning, you're not going to get the votes. The Bears are one of the biggest franchises in America, in the NFL. You're telling me there's not enough Bear fans to vote for Roquan Smith? Christ, what what game are people watching? Sorry for the dry-sounding voice. Um, Yeah, it just... The defense does seem to have more of a foundation and a definition to it, where the offense just seems to be an amalgam of bodies that fill out the roles. Jimmy Graham was washed up when he came to the Bears. I still don't understand the reasoning behind signing him. And knowing that you're going to draft Cole Komet, was the idea that you sign Jimmy Graham and have a mentor Cole Komet? Has that really happened? I don't know. Jimmy Graham barely gets on the field. I think I read a stat last week or two weeks ago that of all the games, he's only been on the field for something like seven, uh, like in like a certain time period, he'd only been on the field for like 17 plays. Like you're paying him $8 million for 17 plays. It's just astounding where this offense is. And I just don't get it. It's hard to watch anything be a positive. And, and this year there is no, and I mean, I hate to, I hate to throw Justin Fields under the bus right now, but you know, he can't do it all. And he, he's struggling. He is struggling because of it. Now, last week they had one good quarter against the Packers, but I think if we're, we're being honest for ourselves, they still gave up 21 points. So there is no way the Bears were winning that game. I hate to be that way. And they got outscored 25 to nothing in the second half. And it shows. Look at the, and, and don't look too far, but look at the team just north of the Bears, the Packers. Now, granted, they have a Hall of Fame MVP elite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. At the same time, their role players do a lot of work. Now, Devontae Adams, I think, accounts for almost 50% of their receiving uh, touches and yards. So, sure, but Aaron Jones, when he was healthy, I mean, he scores a lot of touchdowns. Uh, the A.J. Dillon, who you know has the biggest thighs in the world, according to Chris Collinsworth, he can destroy your team. You know what I mean? You get a big guy like that killing linebackers all game, it just opens lanes for a guy like Aaron Jones. You know, Devontae Adams takes away any good defender you have in your secondary. And if Marquez Valdez-Scantling can actually catch the ball, I mean, they'd have a secondary receiving threat. But they're a team that's built to cater to their quarterback. Now, their quarterback does lift those players up. Okay? And that's a difference. Aaron Rodgers can make players out of a lot of guys. That's why, you know, as annoying as it sounds, the Packers always have these folk hero guys, you know, uh, your Robert Tunyons and, um, you, you, you know, these big fat tight ends who catch like these weird Hail Marys out of all nowhere. And everyone's like, we knew he was good. He's on our team. Um, last week it was Rasul Douglas. He got the pick six against, uh, Justin Fields and, he was the guy that the Cardinals released earlier this year. And the Packers made a joke about it after they beat the Cardinals. So, But it helps to have a quarterback that can raise the level of the players around him. But also, he's got a good, you know, I'm sure Chris would kill me right now for saying this. He's got a good uh, front office there. You know, they rarely miss on guys. 
It doesn't happen often. And even when they do overdraft guys or may not get guys they want, they have they know they know how to they know how to find good players. They know how to uh, they know how to pick them out, and they they know good coaching. Um, they hire good coaches. They hire good guys to develop players. That's a <laughs> that's an organization that yeah okay we can make fun of them for not winning the Super Bowl in the last ten years or even going to one. They they go to the playoffs all the time. I think they've only missed it what twice in the last ten years. I know once for sure the year twenty eighteen when the Bears beat them for the division. I think they've only missed the playoffs twice in ten years. That's why we hate the Packers. Okay, it's because the envy. At least that's why I hate them because I hate looking up and seeing how well they do. And the Bears play like a team that is small market minded, that doesn't want to spend money, that doesn't want to upset anybody with you know poor hires or players that might you know what what did Nagy say a few years ago? Players that you know we don't have any turds on this team. You know guys who might leave a bad stain on the Bears legacy. That that's just who they that's just that's just who they are. The Bears act like a small market team. They act small minded. They don't they, they have this bubble. They want to have like a little snow globe where they can have Soldier Field. You shake it once in a while and the snow falls and you go you say how pretty and glittery it looks. That's what the Bears want to preserve. That's why they want to preserve the tradition and all that garbage. Because that's all they know how to sell. Is that? Do you understand? They don't understand what it takes to build the team from the ground up. I think that's where my point's leading right now. Is uh, you stumble over these things. Is they know what already worked, and it's kind of like how a corporation is. Corporation already knows what sells, so it's going to sell you that until you kind of give up on it. Okay. And the Bears know their tradition works for the most part. It's it's pretty much what all of these broadcasts ever lead when it comes to the Bears. The story franchise, the Chicago Bears, George Hallis and Dick Buckus and Mike Ditka and Walter Payton and Sid Luckman and Red Grange and Bronco Nagurski and one well, you know, But that's what they bring up. Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs and I mentioned earlier to uh, to show listener uh, Casey Aldrin, we, we were talking about Hunter Hillenmeyer, if you remember him from the linebacker core. But you know the bears know how to sell what already worked there's no one with a vision in that in that building to know what their identity should be now and that's why i used the cardinals as a good example a few years ago um with the 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 uh, switching from steve kime josh rosen to go with cliff kingsbury and kyler murray is that it takes it takes an owner it takes a general manager to have the mindset to go, this doesn't work. How do we fix it now? Not this doesn't work. We'll see where we're at in a few years. Because it doesn't work that way, especially not in the NFL. You can't sit on a guy forever. You know, we're seeing the Taysom Hill thing, you know, look poor, look really bad in the Saints right now. They took the chance on Taysom Hill. Do you think he's going to be the starter next year? I don't think so. I don't think Sean Payton would put his job on the line again for a guy who can't make the offense move like that. You know, you have a Drew Brees because he elevates your players and you can identify those talents in a guy or you can at least develop those talents in a guy. Remember, Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Everybody loves to bring that part up. 
But why was he a sixth round pick? What didn't other teams see in him that the that the Vikings that the Patriots saw? What did they identify? How did they know that he would be a proper fit with the team they were building back when they drafted him? And I don't know. I know for sure. I'm not saying I don't know. I don't want to leave this up. I know for sure the Bears don't have people like that in their office thinking that way. Because it's not just about, well, how do we become a good team? It, It takes a lot more than asking one question. And you need to ask dozens, hundreds of questions. You need to ask where the problems lie. John Shearholz, who was a um, baseball general manager for years uh, with the Royals and then with the Braves, he built those Braves teams that were pretty popular in the 90s with Greg Maddox and uh, Tom Glevin, John Smoltz, and they won all those divisions. They won that World Series. He even said when he got the Braves job, you know, the big thing was, you know, Ted Turner hired him to not just make a good baseball team, he wanted to make an entire franchise that people could look to and say, that's the team we want to be. We want to be just like the Braves. We want to be competitive. We want to be in the race every year. We want to always, always compete for a championship. And he says it takes it from the, you have to start from the ground down. And he said, even back in his day, when he was general manager, that meant, you know, making sure the field was in order, even the concession stands, making sure that they were the top notch. You have to have pride in the things you do. You have to have you have to have a mission statement. And what is the Bears mission statement? I don't know. I, I honestly don't have a clue. Because right now it just feels like they're falling again. And you know, you hear stories, you know, the, the there's rumors abound that maybe now they'll they'll look into possibly getting a GM, but you know, Adam Hogue, who works for, I believe, The Athletic, he was on the radio today, and he said it himself. He said, yeah, the rumor is right now they're looking into a general manager, but the source is comfortable with the board directors, what have you. If I'm a new general manager, and I know Ryan Pace is staying there, I might not want that job. And here's the reason. You know he's in the McCaskey's pocket. You know he's you know one of their guys. The second you do or say something wrong, who's to say he won't float away and tell them what's going on? You can't trust a guy like that if you're coming from the outside. I know that sounds a little bit, you know, it sounds a little bit paranoid, but you have to understand, how can you be in charge of something when you know the guy that was there before you has already got the owner's ear? You can't come from the outside and feel confident about that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel good about that if I was a general managing prospect. You know, there's just so many things that, you know, that that, that those are the questions an outside candidate might, might might ask is what is Ryan Pace's role in this if he's staying? Because that's what's scary is that he could stay, you know, and that's and that's scary. And that's just I just don't see what how that helps the Bears future. You know, that that that's where I'm getting at. It just to me it doesn't help the Bears future. Um There are, you know, tons of candidates out right now. Um I know a few people have said uh I think his name is Joe Hovitz. He is the 
director of player personnel for the Ravens, um, has been there for a long time. Um, I said John Dorsey. I know I thought of John Dorsey who uh, helped build though. He's, you know, he's worked in front offices for years with the Packers under Ron Wolf, um, with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Uh, he also helped put together most of that team in Cleveland. You know, he drafted Baker. I think he drafted Nick Chubb. Um, he signed Kareem Hunt, which of course came at, you know, came at a really turbulent time for Kareem Hunt. You know, that was just that that was a signing that, you know, was viewed as a little bit controversial that not a little bit was viewed as controversial because it was. Um, but he also hired Freddie Kitchens because I think he needed his guy. You know, Hugh Jackson was the coach there and for some reason got to keep his job after going 0-16. And I don't think John Dorsey was really a fan of that. And when he got the chance to fire Hugh Jackson, he put Freddie Kitchens in. And the story goes that Baker liked Freddie Kitchens too. And that's kind of what hurt John Dorsey in the end is that, you know, Freddie Kitchens kind of lost that locker room pretty quick. Um, I do like John Dorsey as a, as a general manager. Maybe he'll get the coach thing better. His his general managing practices, drafting players, finding players, developing. If you look at it, he's got a pretty good track record. Another guy I've thought of in the past, I heard his name come up not too long ago, and I looked at his resume, is Rick Smith, um, who's a name that might not pop out to anybody, but he was the Texans general manager for about nine to ten seasons. And unfortunately, he had to leave because his wife... Um, uh, became terminally ill, and unfortunately she passed. So he's been out of the league for a while. But if you look at his draft picks in the first round, he's hit on a lot of them. J.J. Uh, Watt, of course, probably the most probably the most accomplished player he's drafted. DeAndre Hopkins is another one. Uh, Sean Watson. Um, Brian Cushing. Jadevian Clowney, who, while okay, maybe not, you know, maybe not the pass rusher everybody thought he would be, has had a pretty good and long-standing career. He's still in the league. Uh, Whitney Merciless, who's been on that team for a long time, has gotten a lot of sacks. Has been a very good D tackle for them. He's drafted a lot of good first-round talent. Has gotten a lot out of good first-round talent. I would love to see if the Bears, if they had a mind of their own and could actually think outside the box. I would love to see what a Rick Smith would have to say because I think another thing too is his tenure with the Texans probably would have never lasted much longer anyways especially now if you read about how messed up the texans are if you guys want to read a bet if you want to read a, a really weird story look up this dude who works for the texans his name is jack easterby um he is like he is i he has so much power with the texans and yet he doesn't really have any football experience he, he he's a he was a team chaplain okay for the New England Patriots and somehow got a job being the second-hand man to the Texans owner Bob McNair right now or Cal McNair Cal McNair Bob McNair's son cuz Bob McNair is dead um weird story if you can find it read it it's insane how it's insane how one guy accumulated so much power over someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And, you know, maybe in a way that's what Ryan Pace has done to the McCaskies. He's going like, no, 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 I'm doing a good job. It's just that this guy isn't doing the job that he said he would do. You know, so who's to say? I, I, again, I like Rick Smith. 
I know his resume speaks for itself. He hasn't had a job since he's left the NFL. Um, I just don't see why he can't get a job again. Last year, when there was rumors about the Bears letting go uh, Pace and Nagy, I actually wanted to see... I heard Jerry Reese's name come up. Jerry Reese was the uh, general manager who was with the Giants, and he put together two of those Super Bowl teams. Um, I know a few people will say that that first one had a few leftovers from the last regime, but they still built a second one. They still had a lot of guys who ended up contributing, a lot of guys on defense who ended up contributing. That's a big deal. And they got a lot out of Eli Manning, which, granted, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say is a victory amongst itself. I don't know where it went wrong there. Obviously, bad draft picks and then... You know, losing the locker room, Tom Coughlin getting fired. You know, there's a lot of things that that could go wrong. I'm not I'm not the biggest Giants fan, so I don't know all the details of his of his um, dismissal as the GM. But again, a guy who's had success. You know, and that's the thing too. It's like I know Bears fans have also clamored for someone who's had success. You know, John Fox had success, and it didn't work, mainly because he came to a team that was rebuilding, and he really shouldn't have been the hire. They really should have gone at the time with someone who might have been more established, but maybe not as a, as a head coach, someone who might have had a longer track record as an assistant, um, kind of like what the Cubs did when they brought in Theo Epstein. You know, they hired Dale Swaim, they fired him, they, they hired Ricky Renteria, and then they got the guy they really wanted, who was Joe Madden. A guy who already had the experience, but by then they had a team that was built for someone like Joe Madden to take over. Not to say Joe Madden couldn't get a lot out of players. I mean, look what he did with those Tampa Bay Rays teams. I mean, they were competitive for years. He was no joke as a manager. Um, so it, it depends on what the Bears' mission statement is from here on out. We'll see in the next few weeks what happens. Who knows? Maybe something as early as tomorrow happens. I doubt it. I doubt the Bears, you know, will will do anything drastic. I think Nagy's here for the rest of the season. And I think I I just don't I just don't see any the only positive, I don't know. I don't even think they win the rest. I think they lose out the rest of the season still. I mean, I, I can't imagine the Bears doing anything that that drastic. And you know, as far as head coaching goes, I mean, I don't know who's a hot NFL head coaching candidate. Uh, for the past few years, Eric Bieniemy's name has come up, and you know that 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 Chiefs offense struggled for a little bit, but they've turned it around again. They have Patrick Mahomes, they have Tariq Hill, they have Jason Kelsey. Bears don't even have half of those players, and I mean half of those players' abilities on their team. You know what I mean? In any of their roster spots, um, you know Eric Bieniemy. Byron Leftwich was a hot candidate until yesterday. Now he sh- he gets shut out by the, the the Saints of all teams. Um, Brian Dable was a name I thought of early in the season that I kind of liked, but I don't know the the, the Bills the Bills offense is kind of weird. Um, he's a guy that doesn't like to run either, and we already know Nagy doesn't really like to run. Uh, he's scoffed at it before with the with the media. You know he's not here to run the I formation. So I, you know. W- the, I know as much about what the Bears are going to do as the Bears probably do. But the difference is, is I don't own the team. I don't work for the team. I'm not responsible for how well the team can play. You understand? Neither are you. 
But it's the sad part. We're at the same level as Bears ownership right now of not knowing what to do. It's kind of a wasteland right now of who should be hired, you know, who should be in charge. And right now the Bears are just at the same starting line as so many teams. You know, the Jags fired Urban Meyer, you know, which was probably a long time coming. (laughs) Granted, should have been fired when he signed Tebow to that contract to play tight end. But right now the Bears are the same starting line as a lot of other teams right now. You know, because the Vikings, granted, they won tonight. There's still a good chance they fire Mike Zimmer. And they could be very aggressive. They're a team that has been competitive for years that has yet to, to just reach over that reach over that hurdle. You know what I mean? Yeah, they made it to the NFC Championship game, but they kind of ran on a lot of good on a lot of good luck. That Stephon Diggs catch against the New Orleans Saints was lucky better than it was good. And it and when they play the Eagles, they got their asses handed to them pretty easily. Um, there, that's a team that they at least have an ownership group willing to do what's best for the team. And you know, they seem to have a mission statement. They they've been very competitive these last ten years or so. Um, uh, maybe not the Christian Ponder, Donovan McNabb years, but they had Adrian Peterson. He ran up and down the field, you know, for years and. You know, try to keep them competitive. So we'll we'll see. There's a lot to be done, and with three games left, the Bears play the Seahawks on Sunday, which the Seahawks play tomorrow on Tuesday, and they have a short. And we thought the Bears were going to have a short week. Now the Seahawks are going to have a shorter week. I mean, to be honest with you, I I don't know. I don't know if the, the Seahawks are really going to feel like the Bears are going to be that much trouble for them. Um, it's in Seattle. I guess the Bears will have a nice flight out. Then back home for the Giants and then on the road against the Vikings. And that's pretty much how the season's going to end up. Um, but right now, tonight, what you saw, that, that was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like we were at the, the funeral of Matt Nagy, you know, even his face a few times. He just kind of looked like, you know, and I mean, I have to give him a little bit of credit. At least he's still fiery on the sidelines. At least he still cares. But you got to be you got to be honest with yourself. I mean, how much further can this go and I don't think I don't think there's really much that can be done. I mean, you can't really write this ship unless the Bears somehow win out and it still won't be enough. The the best they can do is 7 and 10 right now. And that that that's that can't cut it. Especially with all the money they've spent over the years and all the draft capital they've wasted it just it doesn't cut it you know and i think that 12 and 4 season is going to look more like a mirage the further we get away from it you know it was really nice everything worked until it didn't and if you can visualize Nagy's face when cody parkey misses the kick that was when it was over (laughs) we just wait it just waited too long to admit it so so I'm glad I left you with that uh, dire, kind of dark ending uh, for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, that was the Nico and Chris Bears Post Game Wrap Up Podcast Show featuring just Nico, no Chris. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NNC Bearscast. Listen to us on many podcasting platforms. Just search. For Nico and Chris, have a good holiday. I'll be back on the 26th 
when the Bears play the Seahawks. Chris will be back. He got uh, he got stranded with a long shift this week at work, so he'll be a little bit more rested when when he comes back on Sunday. So until then, bear down. Fire Nagy.